and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with the entire team. We have Hannah and Katya and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Hey. Howdy, dude. <laughs> How can you be depressed? It's 2021. The world is better. The world is well, not technically, better. technically for us, it's still 2020. <laughs> First of all. Second of all. Radio's I hate the to bring it to you guys, but the turning of the calendar is not a magical, like, the world reboots. This is not what? 1995. What? Everybody keeps Shockingly. I'm so glad 2020 is over. No. Every time I see those posts, like, everyone's like, 2020 is over. 2021 is going to be our year. And I'm like, you guys think no. like, half of 2021 is going to be the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, it's going to take us at least four to six months to get, like, critical mass of vaccinations. Yeah. Like nothing's changing until like for most people until like spring summer at least and then and then like that that but like uh, even optimistically like half of 2021 is going to be the same shtick right and then like, like all the non-pandemic problems not, still exist too if not worse because we're about to see a massive homelessness crisis because uh yeah or just no no, no, no happy oh, happy thoughts happy thoughts it's the first show of the year <laughs> I know just. Call your con- con- just 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 yell at your congressperson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what's happening in the house the the week this comes out. Probably there is something you need to yell at your congressperson about. <laughs> Almost certainly. Whether it's rent forgiveness, aid for people for on unemployment, all the things. Just yell at your congressperson. Find an issue, yell at them. They deserve it. Just just do it, please. <laughs> Well, on that cheery note. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I tried. Okay, I tried. Well, so obviously, you know, all jokes aside, it's the first show of the year for the listener. Um, We're pre-taping, so we're still in December. We haven't actually had New Year's. But um, last year, at the end of the year, we did actually we did like three New Year's shows in a row. But um, but we did what what turned out to be a really fun show, at least from my point of view, which was um, we had a show that we called um, Things You Missed for 2019. And we sort of shared some of our, our favorite pop culture things that occurred that the other hosts might not have seen, that the listeners might not have seen, and that we really enjoyed. And that was a great show for me because that was the show that brought Man versus Bear into my life. Um, oh, thank that's you, right. Oh, man, that's bear. right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I, I was looking forward to this like pretty much all year. And, who, 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 knew, who knew Man versus Bear would be a metaphor for the rest of 2020? Right, right. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, are like the two things that I've gleaned from this show that have added the most to like my personal like well-being and overall life enjoyment. Right, right. And it was great because because no joke, the second we finished recording um, that episode last year, um, you know, we finished recording and then I went in the other room and I, I got stuff, my wife, and I said, um, we need to watch this show. And she's like, what show? And she's and I'm like, don't worry about it. It's And she's like, what are we watching? And I'm like, it's called Man vs. Bear. And she's like, that sounds ridiculous. I was like, no, no, we are watching this now. And we sat down. Really? And, it's, it's yes and. Yeah. It's six episodes. <laughs> I think there were six episodes. And we watched them. We streamed all six episodes in a row. It was just like, oh, no, no, we're not. Yeah, we've got this is this is everything to us. So, so, so really, this is a show where we try to figure out 
has 20 top 20 come up with its own man versus bear right right so we're going to share some of our favorite things that we maybe didn't devote a whole episode to and you know maybe we'll come up with something that's awesome and we will devote a whole episode to but oh, yes are, we will yes well, <laughs> spoilers you know but, um, but, like, not, but these aren't you know i mean we could very easily like i'm trying to think we could talk about uh, about Tiger King or Queen's Gambit, you know, which is the show on Queen's Gambit last week. Um, but those are things that everybody saw. Um, this is things that maybe you didn't see, or maybe some people saw and, and we just, or, and saw or read or heard or, or whatever. And this is just our opportunity to sort of share some of our, our favorite, not best of 2020, but best of 2020 that you missed. Yeah. And, and I, so think, we, I, I think we missed everything. Yeah. That, yeah. The obvious joke here is what did I miss in 2020? My life. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it makes this show more difficult because you know, I didn't see concerts. I didn't go to movies. Uh, my library was closed. I wasn't being exposed to new books the way I typically am. Um, so the it, Robinson it, Trash Pandas did not begin their inaugural minor league baseball season. <laughs> okay. so, so there, yeah, it just it, it made making a list for this year a bit more difficult. So so we're all going to talk about, you know, things you missed. The the paint on my wall was um <laughs> No, no, I think there was still there was still some content. I yeah. actually oh, I yeah. sat down and you know and a lot of it I feel like at least most of my things were content specifically because like 2020 was a crappy year and like all the media content people were just like fiddling their thumbs at home so you know what there was a surprise stuff considering yeah and i and i sat down and made a list of stuff that i was like well let me go and i just I spent like an hour earlier today what did i actually watch or read this year mm. and since i was trapped at home since i wasn't going to movies since i wasn't you know going out and hanging out with friends I, you know i had a lot of free time and i actually did consume more things probably a lot of stuff that i wouldn't have given a chance to yeah if uh if it you know if there were anything else to do with my life, um, there's some stuff that I wouldn't have watched. So. Well, and uh, for me, a lot of it was catching up on old stuff. So it's not really new stuff in 2020. I mm-hmm. binged some some old shows that I had missed. Yeah. Uh, and in the first part of this, when things first closed down, I didn't have access to a library, and the iPad I had then could no longer run the run the apps that allowed me to read things. I was rereading stuff off my shelf, so not new things. <laughs> Uh, that's changed, but uh, but yeah, for the first first part of it, it was it was difficult. Although, guys, guys, did you know? Recall that the new Emma movie, which is fabulous, actually did come out in 2020 before the world shut down. Yeah, it was the last movie I saw in theaters. So there you go. Um, I didn't get to see it, and I wanted to. It was on my list of things to do with my um, um, AMC VIP, whatever the, whatever AMC called their movie pass thing. A list, yeah, a list. Um, see, it's been so long since I was able to use it that I can't even remember. But that was on my list of things that I was that I would have gone to see in um, I think like March and that and onward and and I didn't get to see. I, I got to see onward in on online. Oh yeah, but, I watched that online. Uh, Emma, right. Emma is on HBO max who would like to catch it and um if you think that um jane austen is kind of prim and proper this is the adaptation for you because it is irreverent it perfectly captures her humor and the costumes are immaculate they are spectacular i would watch that movie on mute just look at the costumes and it's not even a period that i enjoy the fashion (laughs) of especially it's it's great 
And I it don't believe it commits the sin of Ugg boots, although I'd have to really look and, and double check. But <laughs> <laughs> you should go listen to the historical fashion episodes, mainly the one of Course of Tree. I think did we mention the show? I don't remember. Yes, we did. But basically, this is a year that Katya learned by watching all of the historical sewing YouTubers that apparently historical films routinely have people wear Ugg boots. Mm-hmm. Um, Ugg boots have no relation to almost <laughs> any historical period in fashion. Like, I really do think in relation to fashion, <laughs> right? And, and yeah, I use the term fashion very loosely. Like, I can sort of see like early, like I mean, there are like early like medieval boots and stuff where it's like hand, like leather stitched together into like moccasin and like moccasin situations, but like no, just which I guess this is maybe the thing that thing. I, I I certainly did not not miss, and no one on the show has missed because I just report back occasionally. But uh, historical sewing YouTube—it's been around for a long time. Uh, I feel like it's gotten even weirder uh, this year, and you should go watch it. It's enjoyable. And I was I was just just to go back to uh, to Emma because I do want to see it. It stars Anya Taylor Joy, who we talked yes. about in detail last week on on the Queen's Gambit show. So um, yeah, she actually. Here. I th- she she is a fabulous actress who I think um you know every big break that she's ever tried to have keeps getting ruined by you know the world conspiring against her because Emma came out um right as the pandemic was starting um new mutants was new mutants um <laughs> yeah, though, like I feel like in in some ways actually like I'm sure it's ruined some things for her this year with the releases and everything, but like the Queen's Gambit, had we not all been glued to our televisions because we have literally nothing else to do, would it have been as much of a splash? No, I don't think so. Even Emma, the fact that like only five movies came out this year, like it was an exceptional film. It was going to get attention, but like Mm -hmm. she probably was a much more prominent actress this year than she would have been otherwise, just because there was (laughs) so much attention. Right. There was so much attention on things that she did. So like, I, you know, yes, but also. Awesome. And look, when the pandemic like originally caused the lockdown in March, I ordered two things shipped to my house. Emma and Knives Out. And I cannot tell you how many times I watched them for comfort because oh, awesome. I've needed them. Um, so highly recommend that if mm-hmm. you're looking for comfort. Have you not seen Knives Out yet? Oh, no, I, I saw it uh, in November. I went and saw it in theaters like three <laughs> or four times. That's how much I love okay. that movie. Um, that's not a thing I missed. But um, if you somehow like missed it in 2019 and then 2020, you should remedy that because it's amazing and funny and delightful. Awesome. Not formally. What so, have we missed, goes. y'all? Well, yeah, well, what, I mean, there's there's three things already. So, you know, so what else? What, what other films, maybe, I guess, since we're, we've been talking about film? I don't know how many people missed this or saw it. It is surprisingly surprising because this was this was the film that I was so happy to get in our box office game. And luckily it released right at the beginning of January. So I feel like some people went to see it, but it's one of those heady Oscar film things that like I go to see and I don't feel like enough other people do. 1917. If you haven't seen 1917, Go out and see it. You know, rent it, rent it, or rent it. If I go out, we say stay home and see it. Yes, I mean, you know, find out where it's streaming and stream it. It is amazing. It is, um, it is a World War One drama, and it uses the. um, I mean, it's a trick. It's not really a single shot, but it uses the single shot trick that like Birdman used, where um, it's constructed such that the film appears to be two hours of one take of this um, 
of there's a message that um some the 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 uh British forces find out that there's going to be I think it's British maybe they're American I believe they're British they're British uh, yeah finds out that there's going to be um a secret attack a hundred miles away so they send these two guys to go tell the front don't do this it's a trap and it's just they're they're attempting to get from point A to point B in the middle of this war um and then yeah. war going on around them it is phenomenal and i absolutely I say, recommend that say if you sit think like me oh god not another man film of like war um where they like feel in their feelings i mean it is kind of that but also like it's a ticking clock movie and it's mm-hmm. like much more like edge on your seat mm-hmm. a lot of the uh more ponderous shall we say dramas yeah, I don't really like war movies that much. It's a you know, it, it on paper it very much is the movie your grandpa likes. Like, it, like if you read the description, you're like, oh, this is a dad, not even a dad movie. It's like a dad who's old enough to be a grandpa movie. But it's the Hannah, you've seen it. It's the best possible version of that. There for some reason there's like a like I don't know ten minute sequence with like a French woman and it really annoyed me. I won't spoil it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like that's like my major complaint about the film. Mm-hmm. And I don't have many. It's just like really well made. I think that um if you're you know you're just looking to like be thrilled for two hours, this is one of those movies. Um mm-hmm. so that was that was um that was the best movie I saw in theaters this year. <laughs> um, I uh, did, of the three films I saw in theaters. So a couple of weeks ago and this is this is available on Netflix already. We we actually went to a theater for a birthday thing. There were a whole seven of us there sitting in various corners of the theater. We went to see Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just filmed here in Pittsburgh. I, I recognize a lot of people in the in the credits um, based on an August Wilson play. Uh, so very dialogue heavy. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's last film. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing the fate of Chadwick Boseman, you can see it in this film. He's not buff Black Panther. He's thin and sickly, um, which works for the character. But uh, it was more than that. We now know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really just very good. Just you know, stage play adapted to to film that's all based on mm-hmm. on conversation. Um, really uh, intense and well filmed. I haven't actually seen that yet. Um, I was going to try to watch it in time for this show, but there was just more too much going on. And um, what I do know is I I, well, I mean I I know what it's about and no spoilers, but I also know that Bozeman is getting um, Oscar buzz for it. Yeah. Um, with the, with the caveat of no, 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 he would have been, we would be talking about this even if he hadn't died. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, the, the, the whole movie has Oscar feel to it. Like I, I mm-hmm. can see him not being the only aspect of this movie that gets some, some kind of Oscar nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that film. So yeah, and, and it I think it premiered on Netflix either the same day it was in theaters or or whatever. But say we did an event, so sounds awesome. I'm gonna have to that. I'm definitely I, gonna. Check out. A friend of mine posted. I just saw this on on Facebook like half an hour before we signed on to to do this, and I find this interesting. Just we're talking about you. Know, nothing came out. You know, whatever the the movie thing. This guy is a a movie. Uh, he he is to movies as Mav and I are to comics. Just, you know, he, it's his thing, and he makes an effort to see everything. And somebody he was talking about making his best of list of the year, and he was bitching about all these things, all these people posting. Well, nothing came out. How can you have a best of list? And one of his friends commented. Uh, he said, my, "My my friend whose list I posted the other day, 
He had 32 10 best contenders in 2020. He saw approximately 480 movies from 2020. That's a record for a single calendar year. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, stuff was released, Mm -hmm. Uh, not necessarily in theaters, but like, I just, I read that as like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Here I'm struggling to come up with the four films I saw this year. (laughs) Well, I watched a lot of movies online. Yeah. Um, And and I'm assuming that's how he did as well. Yeah. I think it's an issue of like what it's, it's more that we're not, I think is aware of what's coming out and, or the same access we're used to. Yeah. He probably couldn't list the same graphic novels. I can. And maybe that's like part of why we're doing the show. I think since we are all been, you know, basically in the theater on our couch, for the last nine months now, I, I think there's probably a lot of content, not just us, but everybody, even li- the listeners, everybody is consuming without really thinking about it just mm-hmm. because, well, I've got to just got to have something on, you know, I was just gonna say I've gotten desperate enough to agree to watch the crown again. <laughs> I find incredibly boring. Just the record. <laughs> so um, you're not recommending the crown. Not. I find it's it. Incredibly Oh, um, I, I thought you were going to recommend what, uh, you know, something that I know is one of my well, probably my favorite movie of the year, um, which I know you also enjoyed Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Yes. So good. <laughs> um, I thought I didn't like Andy Samberg when he was on SNL, but I was wrong. And I take back every uh, <laughs> negative association I've ever had with the man. Um, He stars on like your favorite television show. uh, Yeah, like like between Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I realize, again, um, has some issues. You can listen to our episodes on um, propaganda um, for that. Um, Yes. Um, And uh, Palm Springs, like between that, I'm like, oh, Andy Samberg. I never knew. Mm-hmm. Um, Katya, Wayne, have you guys seen Palm Springs? No, no, no. It is delightful. It is um, Groundhog Day. It is. It is. You know, we're in this world where apparently Groundhog Day is just the genre now. Um, the time yeah. loop movie. It is Groundhog Day, but a rom com, and it's d- delightful. Rom com with explosions and dinosaurs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dinosaurs. I was gonna say like Groundhog Day, which I I don't know. I enjoy the movie, not my fave. And then and then rom coms, like two things. What, like one thing I'm kind of about, and another thing which I actively avoid. And I was like, mm, do I like this? Explosions and dinosaurs. There we go. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm just giving the concept. It's very well done. It is. It is um, one day instead of a Groundhog Day where it's just Bill Murray repeating the um, the day over and over again. It is, I can't remember the woman's name, Christina. It's Kristen Milotti and Andy Samberg, but yeah. some, uh, some combination of people. Yes. The same day over and over again. Yeah. It's, but primarily, most importantly, the two characters. This, this woman finds herself caught in a time, uh, in a time loop. And um, once there, she's not the only one in the time loop. She finds out this kind of annoying guy played by Andy Sandberg is also in the time loop. And, and, and they have to learn to um, sort of navigate this world. It, it's great. And they're they're and they're I mean, it's it does the thing rather that rather than trying to do the rom-com thing of, you know, everybody's just like these nice, wonderful people. It does the sort of quirky comedy thing of these people are not the greatest. They're kind of, you know, annoying. And maybe you wouldn't really want to be trapped in a time loop with either one of them because they're not the best people in the world. But given that you are, you got to make the best of this. Also, it's kind of good placey in that it actually like deals with people being kind of terrible and thinking mm-hmm. about like what that means as opposed to just like, look, these are the leads. And even no matter how terrible they are, you will root for them because 
That is what the genre yeah. is. Because yeah, they discuss the philosophy. They discuss the philosophy of it. Like you know, um, if you are immortal, if the day always resets, does morality still matter? And you know, because if can can you just go kill somebody even though they'll be alive again tomorrow? And that question is dealt with. You know, it, it, it is an interesting. It, it's very. It's an interesting philosophical view on um, what you do in the speculative fiction world. And the two leads are just you know they're they're lovely together. They they're really good. So okay. This is technically it has not fully realized itself at the time of recording, uh, but I've been kind of aviately following this for a while now. But uh, so the, the the youths are on the TikTok, and I am not personally on the TikTok. I'm not. I no. I don't know. I'm, oh, I'm not. A, I'm not. Grandma Katja is too old for the TikTok. It's mainly I just like don't. Instagram is not the only social media platform I use anymore. I just don't. They're not my favorite way to spend my time. Mm. I've been very tired. (laughs) Especially this year, it's all the same things. And I'm I'm exhausted by the amount of like productivity porn that shows up (laughs) on all of these things, especially this year of just like, if you haven't started, started eight businesses and like (laughs) run a marathon in quarantine, what are you doing with your life? And it's like, this is not helpful, guys. Anyway. Do you know that Shakespeare wrote a play during the plague? Yeah, great. Like, cool. Good yeah, for Shakespeare. Yeah, he's like, dead now. Right. Like, what, you, what do you want from me? He also did way more opium than I have. That's, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, that just took a turn for the weird. Anyway, <laughs> speaking, speaking of gargantuan creative endeavors, we'll bring it back. Uh, the reason I've been kind of ambiently following TikTok in a secondhand fashion is because of Ratatouille, the TikTok musical. Uh, so this started a, a couple months ago when a, uh, I believe a high school teacher or a school, school teacher of some variety basically posted on TikTok a like musical, a Broadway musical style like song she had written for funsies about Ratatouille, which happens to be her favorite Pixar movie, uh, which was getting shared around, shared around the TikToks as, as one does. And other people started making other songs and puppets and choreography and costumes. And it sounds like it just basically snowballed over the last few months to the point where like actual real life, like Broadway people have gotten involved. Hmm. Um, And we learned recently that it's actually going to be a real show. Streaming streaming started on January 1st. January 1st started for about 72 hours. And all of the proceeds for this musical, which is being like with people from all over Broadway, but also inspired by people from everyone from like high school theater kids on up to like very fancy people. Uh, and all the ben- proceeds are going to benefit on um, the Actors Fund, which I believe is basically supporting oh. out of work actors during the time of That's COVID. Cool. And I'm like, this is this is beautiful and good and wholesome. It's the kind of news I needed to end to close out 2020. Mm-hmm. I will probably be buying tickets to it, depending on how much they are. That's awesome. Um, but I think especially it's like that was like, I, I think most of the things actually I I was really drawn to this year were just like random people like making YouTube videos or like making TikTok stuff. Even though I'm not on TikTok, I only consume it when it gets posted elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm just like people making stuff because what the hell else are we going to do? Um I kind of like that 2020 in many ways is like the year of the indie creator of just like people putting dumb stuff on the internet and seeing if it takes off somewhere. Uh, yeah. So I have a similar one to that. Uh, sort of. In cool. The, I have a couple, so go for it. <laughs> well, in, in the vein of just people making things. And this is, a, it's a little different in that it is, um, you, you said movie adjacent. This is 
specifically movie adjacent. It was um, um, so it is a I'm going to I'm going to call it a film, um, but um, the, the film is called The Other Side of Solitary. We'll come back to that in a moment. You know how this thing's been happening all year that. Um, Oh, these famous actors get together and the, I'm going to do it. We're going to do a table read. We're going to do a table read, recreating the last episode of 30 Rock or recreating Fast Times at Richmond High or recreating whatever. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's a wonderful life, you know, and it's just actors sitting around and they do a table read. Well, yeah. this is a table read, but it's a table read that happened uh, uh, in a little bit of a different way. I heard about this for the first time on um, the protagonist podcast friends of the show they had the writer directors that were attached to this film on as guests and um what happened was they they wrote this film at, that they were shopping around and they were closing deals and the concept of the film was um was these again rom-com ish but it's a different kind of rom-com because it was a man and a woman, both of whom are agoraphobic for different reasons, um, are they meet in um, in basically a um, I guess I guess you'd call it a support group, a support group that takes place over Zoom. So they meet in like a Zoom support group. And this is about how their relationship develops as they suddenly by chance happen. I, I think her cat runs away and then he ends up finding it and they find out that they live across the street from each other, but they're both afraid to leave their homes. So they never actually go outside. They just communicate via FaceTime and Zoom for the entire movie is the idea. Um, and they were shopping this film around and trying to, and they, they were casting it. They had done rewrites. They were ready to go. And then COVID hit and they lost their deal because, um, in the middle of COVID, who wants to see an indie film about people on Zoom? Um, when that's everybody's life now. So they lost the deal and they got the cast together and they did a table read of the entire film on YouTube. And honestly, I don't think it's any different than the film would have been anyway, because it it almost entirely takes place, you know, over Zoom. So you're seeing it other than the fact that there's no outfit changes. It takes place over the course of a year. So there's no outfit changes. But I think effectively you had the actors there. It was basically going to be like this. It is lovely because it's this labor of love and you can you can see you can feel the passion in the you know in the entire cast and in the writing and it's basically just sort of this sort of view of mental illness and uh relationship dynamics in a world where all physical contact is taken away at least for the two characters that matter you know everybody else can presumably leave and go come and go as they as they please so that was one of my favorite films <laughs> that, I, that i that i saw this year not quite a film at least uh so speaking of also other weird internet things not not quite the same thing uh mm-hmm. it's very different but, a, but another weird internet thing. Um, so do you guys ever, have you guys ever seen RuPaul's Drag Race? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you know who Trixie Mattel is? I can't remember any specific people, but no. I've seen the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think Trixie Mattel is on season seven. Mm. I they think. blur together. 
Sure. It's like Mad versus Bear. Every episode's. A, I mean, I enjoy. I'm not. There's nothing to complain about. Yes, RuPaul's Drag Race and Mad versus Bear. Very similar. I mean, actually, well, in that every episode's exactly the same. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Sure. I enjoy yeah. it. It's, they're all the same. So one of the things, I, I, like, I think I've mentioned a few times. Like, I feel like for me, I've been watching. Part of the reason I have a lot, a lot of talk about this episode. I've been watching a lot of like nostalgia things of like watching stuff I've seen before. RuPaul's Drag Race has definitely been one of them because it's delightful and you know psychotically colorful and great but it has rekindled my desire to follow drag queens on youtube and there is a new i think i think it's a 2020 thing that trixie Mattel has been doing but for some reason she's been baking with like easy baked ovens from different eras i don't know why this appeals to me and apparently a surprising part of the internet but it's basically trixie Mattel in full drag using easy big ovens and i'm not just talking about like the new ones she does have a video where it's the new one but she's also doing like the she has like the original one from like i think it's like 1960 uh that surprisingly does not explode and like basically every decade since then i didn't realize the easy big oven was actually it's been one of the most popular like toy releases in the 20th, 20th century which like kind of blows my mind uh but anyway if you if you need it's just it's i don't know why it's entertaining i feel like a lot of a lot of my youtube search history when i look at the things i watch on youtube which is a surprising amount of my media consumption i'm like why do i watch the things that i watch um but this is one of the ones that i feel like has broad appeal because it's just it's just it's just weird it's just very weird uh i don't know what else to say about it it's not it's not the kind of weird of marvel league where marvel league is just like a cathartic and pure experience uh, so so, yeah. so is Easy Bake Oven manufactured by the toy company Mattel? Is that is that the connection? Well, she does do. I actually don't know. Let me double. Uh, Easy Bake. I think it does. I mean, she, I mean I, I, she had the name before that. I'm assuming, but just, yes, Tracy Mattel. I, I just, yeah, yes. I don't know. Okay. If it's, I don't know if it's made by Mattel or not. Um, I know that she is now on Mattel's PR list because she does like Barbie unboxings too. Okay. And I think that there's something really appealing about watching like a man in his 30s in drag playing with ostensibly girls' toys. Uh, and this man owns, owns more pink in his home than I have ever owned in my life. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And I just, yes. 2020 has fried my brain. Uh-huh. Trying to come up with lists of things that other people haven't. I think, I think what this show has taught me is that my media consumption habits are like always two years behind. Like I find interesting things and weird things that not everyone has seen, but it's never in the calendar year that they came out ever. I mean, we all collectively discovered Among Us this year, and that's two years behind. Well, I, I've got a YouTube thing as well, and it's it, it's on YouTube just because it had to be somewhere. I don't know that it would have really mattered because there's no images for it. Um, this is things you missed, and I, I don't think anybody really missed Hamilton. Hamilton was, you know, one of the. If there was a positive thing that came out of COVID, it's that more people got to see Hamilton than probably would have otherwise, and it was great. You know, for this for this moment, you know, the world reunited around Hamilton, which is not a new thing. You know, it's been around for years, but like everybody got to see it. I'd never gotten to see it because I didn't get to see it live because I wasn't lucky enough. You know, but I had I, I knew all of it already because I'd heard all the songs. And Hamilton is one of those musicals. Go back to our musicals episodes. One of those musicals where the entire thing is is sung and. After Hamilton came out on Disney Plus, a couple weeks later, um, a guy named Ricky Downs the Third posted on his YouTube channel and became a minor internet sensation 
because he posted what he called Hamilton, but with Muppets. And it is exactly what it sounds like. He goes through, I don't I think it's just him doing all the voices. He might have other people helping him, but he goes through and he re-records Hamilton, the album, in its entirety, but with the voices of various Muppets. So Alexander Hamilton is played by by Kermit the Frog. And then Fozzie the Bear plays um both Lafayette and Jefferson. And because if somebody plays two parts in the in the theatrical production, then the same two parts are pay, played by one Muppet as well. And it is awesome. It is just the entirety of Hamilton in real time, every song, but recorded with Muppets. And it's actually slightly longer than the real than the real Hamilton because there are interludes with Statler and, and Waldorf. So. And I have, I have to say that actually most of his Muppets voices are pretty spot on. Most of them. There's a few where I'm like, eh, you know. But, also, but, a petition to just like remake many things with just with Muppets. Can we do this show yeah. but with Muppets? <laughs> Maybe that's what the YouTube is. Is The YouTube is just us, but also with Muppets. Is that an option we can explore? I'm I'll not doing Muppets. the voices. Like, I mean, honestly, okay, unrelated to this episode entirely, I once saw a job listing for an apprentice Muppet, like, puppet maker, mm. and I was unfortunately not in my area. It was when I was in grad school. It's not in the state I was living in, but I, I thought about it for a minute, because I'm just like, Oh my god, I, I can sew things. I've been sewing forever. I'm like I actually have the skills to probably be an apprentice puppet maker. It appealed to me deeply. It's one of my big it's one of the few things I regret in life is not is not running away to the circus to become a apprentice puppet maker. It wasn't the circus. <laughs> it would involve dropping out of a PhD program mid mid trajectory. <laughs> I mean, would that have been such a bad idea? Honestly. I mean, hey man, this is this is putting out a call there. If there are anyone listening who has uh hookups with any any Muppet or puppet tears? It's puppeteers. Is puppeteers the term? I believe puppeteer is the term. Puppeteers. Uh, they need an apprentice. I mean, I'm open. That's a friend time. of mine. Right. A friend of mine did actually major in puppetry in college. It is a oh thing that one could do. Yes. <laughs> yes, she did. Look, if uh, Disney slash Jim Henson Studios wants me to write a Jane Austen novel, but with Muppets, you know where to find me. Couldn't we just do that? Can't we just like? Well, you I can't. Think, I, the Mupp- the yeah, I mean, well, we can't use the Muppets. The Muppets we are, are pu- puppets. not public domain, but yeah, we could make. But well, we could make. Pu- they don't own puppets. Yeah. That's right. No, they don't own puppets, and we we can't do the Muppets <laughs> though because the Muppets are also owned by Disney. That for just sounds upsetting. Muppets. That sounds upsetting. That doesn't sound I mean, right. Like, that sounds. Yeah, they 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 are the upsetting version of the Muppets. If you watch the film with, yeah, um, I don't, yeah. even even just just the phrase sounds upsetting. I don't want that word <laughs> to ever happen again. Actually. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, um, petition to do everything with puppets. Yes. Full stop. Always. Yes. Um, so TV. Sure. Okay. 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 Bridgerton, Bridgerton, Bridgerton. <laughs> what is Bridgerton, Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> miss, is that really a thing that we missed? It barely started happening. I haven't seen it yet, though. I missed it. You missed it. You all have to watch it. It has something for all of you. I swear. Um, also, like everyone in my family enjoyed it, including those who have been skeptical of certain genres um, or uh, <laughs> it is. OK, OK. I mean, like we should do a whole episode up because there are so many interesting things going on, uh, some of which I do not endorse how they handle topics, but it's interesting. OK, so. I'm just, I'm just so excited. I can't handle it. I'm going to have to calm down to do a real episode of this. Okay, Bridgerton is uh, one of, like, the first thing produced by uh, Shondaland. Um, 
with like Shonda Rhimes' Netflix deal. She's an executive producer. Chris Van Dusen is the showrunner. And it's an adaptation of a romance novel series that is pretty like old by now um, by Julia Quinn about the Bridgerton family. And the first season is a adaptation of the first book, The Duke and I, with like um, some like stuff from like the other books kind of thrown in and it centers around the Bridgerton family and the London season in the Regency period and the Bridgerton children's quest for love or not depending on which child you're talking about um there's a sprawling cast of characters and it's just like it's really fun for the most part and I just I binged it in one whole day no regrets it's the best thing. I just, I can't handle it. Except like there, there are some things that are not the best thing, but it's just it's so cool. It's just it's so interesting. Um, are there explosions and dinosaurs? They're, they're not, um, <laughs> not, but like, but there is a lot of tea. In place of explosions and dinosaurs. Yes, I'm, not, I'm not just a one trick pony. I'm a two trick pony. There's, okay? there's a lot of interesting costuming and also like, we could talk about the politics of sewing in Bridgerton. You might not be happy with the politics of sewing, but you, we could talk about them. Um, there's also historically very trash. So if they did it accurately, I will be happy. I mean, like, okay, look, there are some really like stupid historical missteps in Bridgerton, and I are want to clarify. Are there? I'm talking, I, I didn't notice any. I want to clarify okay. that when I say there are historical missteps, I'm not talking about the diverse cast because, well, a like show dresses that, um, and it, it's very clearly like um, Regency fantasy, as other people on the internet have pointed out, and they're exploring a kind of what if world of like Queen Charlotte if um, she like was recognized as being a black woman and using her influence as a black woman to elevate other people of color in the Regency period and B there were tons of people of color in the Regency period in England you mean so, black people were not invented in like 1965 yes and also they were not all slaves mm, although obviously well, obviously, like slavery was a big thing in the 18th and 19th centuries, and Bridgerton does not address that, which we can talk about later. But anyway, very interesting costumes. Also, lots of erotic boxing, um, and it's it's just it's it's just very interesting. I Did you say erratic boxing or erotic boxing? I said erotic boxing. Oh, foxy boxing. Okay. Hey. Um, just you know, trying to hit all the chords um, <laughs> for you guys to watch. Um, anyway, <laughs> like I mean, like you know, the romance genre is like the best-selling genre. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not something that no one's watching. It's like at this point, I think like number two on Netflix right now. But just go and binge it and get your. It's also, not even been up for a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting your tea from Lady Whistledown, and (laughs) who's voiced by Julie Andrews, who like reads these like lines in like an amazing tone. I look forward to 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 bitching about whatever the sewing politics of this show is. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah, but like, uh, yes. Uh, so like, there's, I mean, there there are some things that I'm like, "Eh." but also like, there's a lot of like interesting things that like are very either common in the romance genre, or they're trying to do something different, and it's interesting. So something tells me we will have an episode on this. Yeah, I have my way. (laughs) Anyway, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see it. So it's 
I, I mean, and I'm in like the current, like I wanted a break from like life. So I'm binging this and I'm going to like, not think as critically about it as I will later on my rewatch before we like do a real academic discussion. So I'm a little more gushy than, but they, like, there, there are some things. I mean, that's how I was with the Queen's Gambit. I was just like, ooh, pretty dresses, yay! And then right. I was like, oh, but also, wow. I just love that you call our also, show a, a real academic discussion. <laughs> hey, we have real academic discussions. I know. Just, th- what, what this show, I think, exposes is actually what real academic discussions are. This is, this is, <laughs> I hate to break it to y'all, those of you who have not been practicing academics, this is where, like, most of the ideas come from, is a bunch of putting a bunch of academics in a room and having we, them talk about weird stuff for two we, hours. We are the dark then, underbelly of academia. Right. And, and then you go do the substantive research and publish the paper. Right. Like, this is where, I, this is where the ideation begins. Right. Happens at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, for real, this is, this is, like, the, the most productive part of any conference is the weird conversations you have, at, like, between presentations and or at the bar afterwards. Mm-hmm. Or people, I just start talking about really bizarre things. Actually, like if you were interested at all in like my thoughts about good society, that initial kind of like thinking about race and gender in that, I think that actually Bridgerton uh, might be an interesting conversation piece for that. So anyway, you, I guess everyone can go back and re-listen to our <laughs> show. Oh, or, another or thing we missed. Another thing we missed. Point we missed PCA in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't miss PCA. It's like PCA missed us. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it went both ways. Both ways. We were, we were PCA. Um, so any other TV shows? Or is yeah, I have, a, I have a few. Well, uh, and I should just point out for anybody who does enjoy this kind of work, PCA did extend their deadline because they, they have um, they've moved it from usually it's over Easter weekend, but they got the opportunity to move it into I don't remember the exact weekend, but it's in June now um, for next for well this year for the listener but for 2021 so possibility it might actually happen yeah they're expecting that it, they're proceeding as though it will under some circumstance um and they've moved the submission deadline for um for uh papers to this month so you've got i'm not sure the exact exact day but you've got at least a few days that you can submit in january um instead of closing off in october so highly recommend it uh i have a tv show that I'm, I decided I liked. It was, it was, it, I had to, I went back and forth a few times, um, because I saw it advertised on YouTube over and over again. And it's like, I, I'll try this. And it really, from the trailer, I thought it was trying to be the good place, you know, right when the good place was ending. Um, and it's not really, it's called Upload and it's on Amazon Prime TV, whatever they call their TV service. Uh, the premise is, it's clearly not heaven. It is a near future speculative science fiction thing. They live in a world where when you die, if the doctors get to you quickly enough, they can take your brain scan and they can upload you to a virtual reality world. Um, And so heaven and they call them heavens, but you can, there's a, there's different companies running their own heavens where you can live immortally in, you know, on this server and it's on the internet. So you can communicate with your loved ones. You can continue to have relationships with your loved ones and talk to your mom or, or whatever, but you live eternally as this VR character and you interact with people in the real world. And so it stars Robbie Amell, who is, um, Stephen Amell's cousin, I think. Wait, is that, aren't they cousins or brothers or something? Some, yeah. 
Um, but Robbie Amell as this guy who uh, computer programmer who is in a car wreck and he's dying and his girlfriend makes the decision, his fiance makes the decision to have him uploaded. And while he's in, so now he's in the computer, you know, he's dead. He's in the computer and he's trying to continue to have relationships with his family, with his girlfriend who's still alive. Um, he, with the people that he meets in this new world, uh, one of the most interesting characters is um, this kid that he meets who's like 10, but the kid died uh, 10 years ago. So he should be 20, but he's eternally 10 years old in this world. And um, and like it's weird for him because, you know, his friends in life don't like really want to talk to him anymore because all of his friends were, you know, like he'll he'll call his best friend who's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, like, what do you talk to when you're 20 years old and there's this person who still remembers you as being 10 and they just, it, you know, how hard it is to have their relationships. So it, 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 it doesn't go where the good place went. It goes in a different kind of, you know, what is life kind of direction. And it was really, it was fascinating. I saw those ads and yeah, the, the good place comparison, I haven't seen the show, but the good place comparison hit me anytime I saw the ad. Yeah. And I almost didn't watch it. Cause I'm like, Oh, what an obvious cheap ripoff, but it's not that show at all. It's just other than the fact that they're dead, that's where the comparison ends. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I watched, I, I binged a lot of older stuff. I don't know that I watched anything that, that people missed. I, I did really enjoy Lovecraft country. I didn't um, see Lovecraft Country, but I heard a lot of people liked it. Yeah, I, it, it's not without its problems, um, like like anything. But overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, there were moments that just thoroughly surprised me. There's a, an episode that is, I you know, it, it's it's an episode of Afrofuturism that was just kind of beautiful, um, mm -hmm. really visually and and the ideas they were playing with just an episode out of the blue a character who was very much tertiary up to that point becomes the focal point of that episode and that's part of the point is that she's been living somebody else's life and overlooked um which they were had been doing on the show up until that point and then suddenly she's the main character in this one episode and and, and plays a part later as well but i like the whole series but that episode in particular stood out just in terms of design and theme and ideas they were playing with uh it just it, it was beautiful and there's a lot of just jump scare moments and and crazy bizarre lovecraftian shit so mm -hmm. well so i have one more tv show or well i actually have two tv shows because um i have to remind everybody this was on things that you missed last year i said go watch harley quinn which at the time was hard because it was only on the DC Universe streaming app, which quite honestly wasn't worth the money unless you were writing a dissertation where you needed access to all of it. They just didn't have enough content and it was too expensive. But now the Harley Quinn series in its entirety, both seasons, has been moved to HBO Max, which is worth the money. So if you haven't seen the um, the Harley Quinn cartoon starring Kaylee Cuoco, go watch it. It's amazing. Uh, I especially want to recommend it to Hannah and Katya because early this year when we did the, the Birds of Prey episode, this cartoon is everything that you loved about the Birds of Prey movie and attempts to fix all the stuff that you hated about it. It, it is really good. It's basically the premise is Harley has broken up with the Joker and this is her life after that. This is her trying to establish herself on her own, on her own slash with her best friend, Poison Ivy. And um, it's great. I, I, I very much enjoyed this show. Um, pretty much every episode. There's no doubt. 
But the thing that I really want to recommend, which also started on the DC service, and by the way, the DC service is essentially no more. They're phasing it out because, again, it wasn't really worth it unless you're writing a dissertation. So, um, but they had this show, Stargirl, and Stargirl is now moving to the CW. Most of DC's stuff has moved to HBO. Stargirl is, I'm, I'm going to say delightful. I don't know. Wayne, I, like, I know Wayne I, knows who Stargirl is. Yeah, I, don't, I, I like the show. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. For, yeah, for, for me, that I, I'm glad you said that because I'd forgotten that that was mm-hmm. a new show I watched. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, in some ways, I liked it better than most of the other CW shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of that is... I may have liked some of the others better in the past, but I just got really burnt out on them. And this is different. This is different. It, it, there was a sense of joy about it that's missing from the others. We should give the premise because she's not a she's not a super popular character unless you're a comic book. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Hannah and Katya. Do you guys even know who she is? Have you ever even heard yeah, the character? Very vaguely because okay. of the show. Yeah. Okay. Back, back in the 1940s, there was a character by the name of Starman, and who was a member of the Justice Society of America. And then in the 90s, James Robinson did a book called Starman that was about his son inheriting the role. And then when that ended, uh, Jeff Johns Johns and Mm -hmm. Lee motor, who is a Pittsburgh native, uh, Mm -hmm. the artist created, uh, Courtney Whitmore as she, she was originally, she was, um, the new star spangled kid. who was also a 1940s character. Um, Mm -hmm. but she inherited the technological magical star rod. And yes, feel free to laugh at that term. Uh, (laughs) and, and has, um, has taken over that that sort of dual role of Star Spangled Kid and Starman in the the DC universe, and she's young and loves being a superhero and and all that stuff. And and the show, like I, the characters on the show, are teenagers. This goes back to our episode about you know, adults playing teenagers. They all feel like kids to me. Like mm-hmm. the, the girl playing Courtney is like fourteen. I, you know, I don't know how old she is in real life. I, I, can, I believe she's. I, I believe I she was like nineteen when she filmed it, and she's twenty now. So yeah, and, and she's short, believe so she's believably. 14, yeah. 15 years old. Yeah. She's supposed to be 16 because uh, she has a drive or 15 or 16 because she has that's driving right. like, during the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and there for this, for us old comics nerds, there were just tons and tons of nods to mm-hmm. DC, DC history and continuity and stuff going back to the 1940s and, and that sort of thing. But I, that's not essential to, to have fun with the show. So yeah, I, I did. I liked yeah. it. And what's nice about it is for in a world where we're doing a lot of dark superhero stuff, you know, gritty, grim and gritty, it is that's addressed, but she is a very hopeful character. Yeah. Another positive thing with the show is it's also like 10 episodes long instead of 24 making like the flash the flash, which is the show, slowest movie show on television. <laughs> <laughs> So, where's the lie though? I do have another TV show that I forgot about, a superhero show that I forgot about that wasn't on my list. And this is this is an odd one because things that probably everyone else saw, but that we missed because I didn't give it a chance for a long, long time. And so it's a it definitely hit the pop culture zeitgeist, and we never talked about it on our show because none of us were watching it. But then I did go and binge the first two seasons of the boys. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, and and I, I've, I've been so I've heard that from everybody and I've been really resistant to it because I, I so, hated the book. I, I hated the book. <laughs> um, it's the just, it, it yeah. just kind of everything I hate about grim and gritty comics. Was the book. Yeah, yeah, I hated it. I hated the book and people kept recommending the book to me. And this is a little 
behind the scenes as a comic nerd. They were like, oh, you should read this. You'll love it. And, and I was like, no, I, I see why other people love it. And, it, it, you know, it's one of those we're going to we're going to deconstruct. And it, and to me, it really feels like the the book feels very Zack, Zack Snyder, like a very surface level. We're doing grim and gritty. So we're see superheroes are bad. See, see, see what we did here. See, and, they, 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 they swear and, and, and there's nudity and kill and. And and I just did not care at all on the on the um book. And it's better as a TV show. It's way better as a TV I, show. I've, I've heard that from everybody. I, I'm still <laughs> remarkably resistant to it. Yeah, I watched the first one just to make to make, to make someone shut up. And then yeah. and then I was like, oh, OK, yeah, they're doing a thing. And it's good. It, like, like, I think um I think one thing that helps it is rather than just one guy figuring it out, I think they have a writer's room that um very clearly is not just is it Kirkman that wrote it it's not just no. one guy it's whoever wrote it and and I um I would imagine there's a more diverse writers room so the people feel fleshed out and there are, there's a storyline and it's engaging and stuff makes sense and it's not just swearing and nudity for the sake of swearing and nudity so I like the boys Garth Ennis Garth Ennis, thank you. Uh, which, which is another, better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and the thing is, I, he's he's another one. I feel like not to get too much into a comics conversation on on this episode, but I, he's he's in that category for me of like I've seen all his tricks and I'm tired of them. Yeah, and, and I think this is other people fixing it. Yeah, and, and and the boys definitely felt like that. Aside from my my issues with all kinds of stuff that that the boys represented to me, I. I when the first issue came out, I read it and it's like, oh, look, more Garth Ennis. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that probably, that's about where I was. So, well, so, you know. that, that makes a nice transition into comics if we want to do that. Go for it. I don't have any stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not working in the store. I, I feel like I wasn't as exposed to as many this year as I could have been. I mean, I worked in a store, but it was a very different store and different stuff. I do have a, a list of things that I, I did enjoy this year through, through various things. Um, last year, you heard me raving about Wiccan Divine. Uh, I'm, I am really enjoying Once in Future, which is Karen Gillen's uh, current project, one of his current projects. Uh, it's drawn by uh, Dan Mora. Um, it also taps into my Arthurian fixation, uh, and he's doing with this kind of what he did with Wicked Divine, which is taking a look at a lot of the tropes, and and rather than rather than doing the traditional tropes of Arthurian fiction, he's trying to you know, it's deconstruction, I suppose. You know, going back to our episode on deconstruction, um, and it's challenging some of my my thoughts on Arthurian characters and and what Arthurian narrative should be, and and that's something I really enjoy. And I, I like the tropes and whatever, and there are places where I'm like, ah, hmm. but I'm enjoying seeing how he does that. So, uh, there are two trades of it out so far, I guess, technically it started in 2019, but the trades came out this year. So there are two volumes of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, his series die, which I think I picked last year is continuing as well. I'm still enjoying that. Something I discovered out of the blue. It's from boom studios. I think it's called something is killing the children. Uh, by James Tinian and Werther Del Era. Uh, just really neat, well-done horror book. Um, so if, if you haven't taken a look at that, take a look at it. Um, one of my favorites from the year was uh, Kent State by Durf, who okay, was the guy I did who, have one. Oh, yes. I, uh, yeah. yeah. That was that was on my list. I wasn't sure if I was going to get to it. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I liked it a lot. Durf is the guy who did My Friend Dahmer, mm -hmm. which took place in Ohio. Uh, Durf was, I knew, 12 when Kent State took place he lived near there there's a scene early in the book of he and his mom driving through campus when when like the National Guard is there or something not on the day it happened 
but just kind of to establish that you know this was his neighborhood, so he was there. Uh, but then it, it it goes into the events of Kent State and the the, the murder of students by the, the National Guard and everything that led up to it, and uh, it's meticulously footnoted. His research is is really well done. Uh, a lot of the dialogue and, and things that are there are, are direct quotes from from source material. Um, yeah, it's it's much like my friend Dahmer, not necessarily a happy book, but it's it's I, this is the kind of thing that that I, I like pointing out to people who who uh, I'm superheroes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, this is this is not a superhero book. This is a really well done history of the events of Kent State. It's a um, documentary. And yeah. Yeah. I, so I bought it when it came out. I was like, oh, oh, I, I mean, I like her and um, and I like that kind of thing. We've mentioned before Safe Area Garage, which is um, one of my favorite books. And he has a new one out this year, too, that I but I haven't read it yet. I so. haven't read it yet. I just discovered that like a week ago. I, I bought it, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Um, when the Kent State book came out by um, it's Joe Sacco, by the way. Um, yeah. That author. But when the when the Kent State book came out, I was like, oh, I'm into this. I bought it. I read, I'm going to say the first 20 or 30 pages and I set it down. It is somewhere in my house and I cannot <laughs> find it. And I'm very upset because I, because it was, I mean, I was in I, and I yeah. just, you know, went to go eat and I don't know where in my house it is. I have not seen it in like three months. Um, but like I didn't leave because it's COVID and where would I have gone? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's it's clearly here somewhere. So yes. So I, yeah, that's why I, that's why I wasn't going to recommend it because I'm like, well, it might not be as good for the. It's like 288 pages, and I've only read the first 20 or 30. So yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. And and my other one, the last one on my list, and this just ties into my my other fetishes is uh, Michael and Laura Allred released a biography of David Bowie. Uh, like I think that was right at the end of last year. I didn't get it until January though, but uh, it's, it's very much focused on his early glam era. Uh, it's beautifully drawn. Mike Allred's art is, is stunning. Uh, Laura as colorist just does some really amazing work on this. Uh, this is an era of psychedelia and, and science fiction and, and glam rock. And it's very colorful. Um, but it, it's also, if you're interested in Bowie as a person, you could do worse in terms of uh, biographies of him. So, so it was a lot of fun. Well, that sets up an interesting transition. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this is a book that, that Hannah, Hannah to me, recommended to me one night when we were recording. I had read about it not long before that. So it was already on my radar, but Hannah's recommendation um, definitely, definitely put me into it. It's uh, Utopia Avenue by David Mitchell, who is an author I've been wanting to check out for a long time. Uh, Cloud Atlas is probably his most famous work um, the, that the movie was based on. He's an author I've been wanting to get into for a long time and just kept putting it off or just didn't quite know the right starting place or whatever. But Utopia Avenue comes out and the basic premise of it is here's a fictional rock band from the late 60s and their story and like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of all it takes for me. <laughs> but then he also tied it into a larger. How would you describe his his world, Hannah? Science fiction, magical yeah. realism, fantasy. It's, it's, it's like yeah, it's like he's very interested in um, science fiction and fantasy tropes, and he he toggles between the two. I I think um, yeah. Um, and I, he also has like a greater universe um, where like all his books stand alone. Right. If you have read the other books, you'll see uh, recurring secondary mm-hmm. characters, which like that's possible because magic. Um, and also yeah. because he jumps through I, time. I've read a couple um, of others since reading this, and I've I've encountered that. Like, oh, that's that guy from here. Yeah. So 
but but they are self-contained. Yeah, which it means you can start anywhere. And I though I, I think that um Cloud Atlas um or or um actually Utopia Avenue could be a good entry point um or the bone clocks. Um Yeah, that's one that, of the others I've read. That's that's really narrowing it down, I know. Um yeah, I, as as someone who like isn't as into that period or um the music like the period's music as you are i still really enjoyed it um but, um i think that not knowing everything like just allowed me to just feel like yeah mm-hmm. i'm in this world i i believe it i uh really enjoyed some of the characters uh i wanted to punch bruce in the face i know no one knows <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you yeah, should they, 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 yeah the characters i thought were really all i mean they they had individual voices i thought we got you know, just really good focus on each of them uh, i mean for, i mean there's that weirdness we talk about this larger sci-fi world he has um just in in brief there are characters who essentially reincarnate over time um and there's a character by the name of marinus who is a i've encountered in everything i've read by by him but that's while it's there is kind of a secondary part of this book it's there to, to tie it into his larger universe but for the most part it's just a really well-told story of music and creativity and people working together and, and becoming famous and surrounded by the the whole world of the late 60s music industry and yeah for for those of us who knows that stuff the number of obscure musical references that are in there just like ah i, I know that guy <laughs> so yeah, as well yeah. as well as big ones you know like they they reference you know like say david bowie appears briefly um so it's not like he's unknown but you know they they mention the manager of led zeppelin by name without telling you he's the manager of led zeppelin but i knew that <laughs> and, and what i love about david mitchell is he like he definitely references like big things like disney or the beatles and then he does something like like has lines like man look i mean i'm i'm bastardizing the line but it's, it's something along the lines of the man looked as if he was pondering a deep thought from Immanuel kant and it just that you probably have frequently <laughs> um and like it's like i also read that as like he's not he's also kind of like making fun of the idea of pondering deep thoughts from Immanuel kant and that yeah. Yeah, also a thought that you have right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a lot to say about Kant that we will spare you because 2020 has been hard enough. I think. Um, yeah, we have a show on it. Actually, <laughs> you may have missed. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, uh, weird transition. Speaking of Kant, um, I read a book um, that nothing, nothing. It, it has like no resemblance to Anthony Kant. I did think of him when I read it, and that was Courtney Milan's The Duke Who Didn't. Is a low angst romance novel set in 19th century, you know, like in a place called Wedgeford. And it, it's, I think a lot of people have described it as like a retelling of persuasion. And it features uh, characters of color, specifically the Duke, um, who is the main male character, is um, half Chinese. And he he's like coming back to meet his childhood sweetheart, Chloe Fong. And it, it's really interesting about how it actually like rewrites um, thoughts about like land and nationhood and like belonging that you see like thought about in Austin and like 18th century ph- philosophy writers like Kant. And it's extremely smart, but like in a way that's accessible 
to people who have never read Kant or even Jane Austen and who do not care. But <laughs> like, and like if you if you liked Bridgerton but thought, huh, I wish they like would have acknowledged like problems in the period. This does that. So it's it's it, like Courtney Milan. I've read a lot of Courtney Milan's books. It it's really interesting. It's like the first book I read, uh, like in actual book form after I finished my dissertation. So it was a while ago. Would read again. Looking forward to like more books in that series because it looks like it will be a series. Um, also, lots of like talk about food mm. and um, really like like just just like really nice descriptions about food and I like conversations about food. Yes. So yeah, like. Is this like a don't model. read on an empty stomach kind of book? Uh, you will be hungry. <laughs> or do, and just have snacks nearby. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's delightful. Um, and uh, like even like Courtney Milan like tweeted when it was like coming out. She's like, this is like the lowest angst thing I've ever written, um, which is good <laughs> because the world sucks right now. <laughs> um, again, not a direct quote, but I was like, yep. Ordering this from the library. Mav, you posted something recently, something you read and really dug, and I put it on my to-read list, and I can't remember the title. It is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, and it is the best book I have read in years. Um, I I don't... I I cannot... um, This is, um, I don't know if I mentioned it on on the show before, if you're familiar with the concept of a passing narrative. And for those who don't know, passing is originally it's a it's a it's kind of a racial studies term um that's kind of gone into transgender studies. But passing refers to the period of time. Actually, it could be any time, but but very much um, early to mid 20th century, when in order to gain more social acceptance, a lot of African-Americans who were were light skinned enough would simply pretend to be white. Mm -hmm. Um, They would pass. uh, They would do everything they could to pass in (laughs) to formulate new identities. And like George George Harriman, creator of Crazy Cat. Yes. George Harriman, creator of Crazy Cat. um, Famous cartoonist who um, no one knew, no one outside of his family knew he was a black man till decades after he was dead and someone was writing a biography on him and discovered his birth certificate and it said, oh, this says Negro. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and they went and asked I, I think his it actually said, I think it actually said colored. Colored, yeah. <laughs> and they, asked, they went and asked his grandson and he's like, yes, my grandfather was was black. We all know that. It just, he he started hiding it and then he pretended until he died. and. No one ever touched it. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a famous novel um, by Nella Larson called Passing, which is um, which is about this concept. Um, it also happens in um, the LGBTQ community with transgender people who will you know who for different reasons, but related. You know how well can you pass? as your gender identity as opposed to your birth gender, your assigned at birth gender, and this sort of thing. And there are books about this sort of this sort of thing in to varying degrees of goodness over time. Um this is the best one I've ever read um by far. And it is and that includes the the preeminent one, which is Nella Larson's passing. Um, the concept here is there are two twin sisters in the mid, I believe the 
book starts in the mid sixties, um, uh, civil rights era, um, late fifties, mid sixties. And they live in a small outside of, um, New Orleans, um, Louisiana town, uh, called Mallard. It's a fictional town. And this town has a large African American population who happens to be very light. And one of the things that happens in this town is they, um, there is racism against darker African-Americans from the lighter ones. And this is a thing that actually is his- historically accurate and continues in some places to this day. There are There is a tendency for some lighter skinned blacks to look down upon darker skinned blacks because because racism is so is that ingrained in this country so everyone in this town delights in how light they are and at one point there's these two twin sisters desiree and stella and they run away from home they run away to new orleans and try for whatever reason um they they're they're sick of their small town essentially um so when they're like 15 years old they run away and they live on their own and while out there in order to get a job as a receptionist stella starts passing as white because they know she knows they won't let her into the building if she's black and she continues to she's successful at it and eventually she decides well if everybody believes i'm white i'm just going to be white and she leaves her twin sister and she moves away with her white boyfriend who does not know that she's black and their lives diverge at this point so desiree goes on to lead a life where she leads life as a as a light-skinned black woman and stella goes on to lead a life as a kind of dark white woman and they don't talk for years and then they they each have a daughter and then fast forward because the book's told, told non-linearly so there's um there's so it jumps around in time quite a bit but they each have a daughter and when the daughters are 18 one's at um UCLA and the others at Southern California I think I think USC and they meet and the white daughter has no idea that her mom's passing. The black daughter knows that her mother had a twin sister who disappeared and they discover that the daughters discover each other. And so it is a question of how passing affects multiple generations. And is it right to tell someone, hey, you know, in, you know, in 1970, 1980, whatever year it's supposed to be, 70. It's like 78 when they meet or something like that. Is it okay to tell a poor white girl, you know, you're half black. You might not know it, but you are. Is that, is that an okay thing to tell, to tell somebody? And it kind of goes in, it plays with natures, with questions of identity, of sexuality, of race, of gender, everything that you can think of in the lenses of the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It is amazing. Yeah. I, I read the description you put up and then it went on my list. So. <laughs> so yeah, I highly recommend that book for everyone. Cool. <laughs> um, we want to do music real quick. I know I have a few things and I think sure. there's a, a band I was really into back in the, the early 2000s called uh, the Epoxies. They were all your favorite new wave bands wrapped up into one. They were a new band, but they were really playing up that whole new wave keyboards, makeup, costume, plastic aesthetic. And uh, the lead singer, Roxy Epoxy, uh, Meredith, as she introduced herself to me uh, when I met her at the Rex on the South Side. <laughs> Uh, just recorded an album with a, a new band called Faux Replica. And like, this means nothing to anybody, but it's like out of the blue. It's like, oh, new music from Roxy. Awesome. Um, so I wanted to pass mention that. Um, 
early last spring, I discovered uh, a singer by the name of Orville Peck, who, uh, by his own description, is a gay cowboy. Uh, he wears like a sequined face mask uh, before masks were cool. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it just he does some really solid, like crooning country kind of stuff. It, it's not modern country. It, it's very much old style, but there's a there's a crooning element to his voice. He has a really rich, deep baritone. Uh, I like his stuff a lot. There's a band I was into in the 70s called Angel that nobody's ever heard of. They were sort of post-glam. I had one album I liked it. I ignored them for 20 years. Then I went back and picked up all their stuff. And then they didn't do anything for 40 years. And they released a new album last year. Uh, This is the lead singer and the the guitarist, uh, which sounds like an Angel album. So it was just neat to get uh, new music from something I was into in my my teen years. And uh, just as as a side note to that, the, the lead guitarist's went by the name of uh, Punky Meadows. And uh, the the lawyer I'm working with has connections to the music industry and is doing things. And I had a nice phone conversation with Punky Meadows this year. So didn't see that coming when I was 16 years old. Uh, um, a, a glam-like band I was into a few years ago by the name of Foxy Shazam. Uh, I'd have, I liked their album. I'd have been more into them. I had tickets to see them at the Rex. Not the Rex, at... Uh, Oh, one of the other venues here in town. And they had a fight and broke up five days before uh, I was supposed to see them. Uh, so my tickets were refunded. I never got to see them. And I was sort of pissed off at them and ignoring them. But anyway, out of the blue, they got back together and released a new album, which I like. Hmm. Um, so those are the ones in passing. The the band I really want to talk about, though, is every couple of years I do this just as, as a music fan, always looking for new stuff. Once every couple of years or so, I, I discover a band that just like this becomes my band of the year. Like I just become obsessive and really dig in. It becomes my soundtrack. Like you know, four years ago, it was the Struts, who also released a new album this year. I should I should mention uh, two years ago is a band from Canada called the, the Glorious Sons. And this year it was two women who go by the name of Bones UK, uh, Rosie Bones and Carmen Vandenberg. And their album actually came out in 2019. They got nominated for a Best Rock Performance Grammy last spring. They released an unplugged album. Um, Rosie just has this really, I, I like her voice a lot. I, I like the, the, she has a really thick British accent that comes through in her singing. Uh, Carmen is is kind of an amazing guitar player. They just have an amazing chemistry on stage. Um, they they wrote and recorded everything on their own. They they did all their own videos. They have a drummer who tours with them. The album itself is uh, program drums. Kind of just solid bluesy rock stuff layered over top of some Nine Inch Nails type industrial rhythms and that sort of thing. And it's, it's a really neat mix, but they have they have been my have been my soundtrack for the year. Um, they have a song about polyamory, which I dig. Uh, so, um, but the first song of theirs I heard is called uh, Fabulous Freaks and Glamorous Geeks. And uh, that, that describes most of my friends. So I had to listen to it. <laughs> I, it was literally the title made me go, oh, what's this? So yeah, they, and I just say, so there's, there's their album. They released an unplugged album and I discovered a week ago that in 2016, they, they did an album with Jeff Beck, uh, Jeff Beck, who was in the Yardbirds and like legendary guitarist. Mm -hmm. And the story goes like Carmen met him at a party and invited him to one of her gigs. There was like 10 people at this gig, including him. And he invited them to write an album with him and tour, and they did. So, awesome. I, so today in the mail, I got my my CD copy of a Jeff Beck album from 2016. That's essentially a new Bones UK album to me. So, so yeah, um, 
anyway, that they were my soundtrack of the year. Uh, so check out Bones UK. Awesome. I'm not getting paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> but if they want to. But if they want to, if they want to support this podcast, uh, <laughs> we we are fabulous freaks and glamorous geeks on this podcast. The new tagline. <laughs> the tagline to the tagline. <laughs> so that's my that's my music bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I just would like to quickly say thank you to Kesha because without her album High Road, which was released in January, I do not think I would have finished my dissertation. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Kesha. No, like really. <laughs> um, like there, there are a lot of like really joyous songs. Just like you know, going back to her roots as like middle fingers up. I do what I want. Um, you know, like incorporating some of like her more like, you know, country stuff into some of the songs, like some of the songs are straight up country. Um, she also has a song about ethical non-monogamy, um, a song about potatoes, um, <laughs> which actually um, I feel like was a very the year of just appropriate making polyamory. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it much more 1971, but you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, what was the song where she was talking about her father? I, I, I'm not the Kesha fan that Hannah is, but I actually listened to this album a good bit last spring. Father daughter dance. Um, yeah, that one just really touched me. I found that song really moving. Uh, and also, um, I have to say that um, a song called Birthday Suit manages to use game tones um, in just a really interesting way to like incorporate um, it into the music. Um, and, you know, like um, Raising Hell, I think, was the, the biggest single of the album. I haven't looked at the numbers. Um, but Kesha collaborated um, on that um, with Big Frida and it's really good. And, um, my own dance, like she, like she, she uses the lyric, don't circumcise my circumstance. And it's just <laughs> 100. Anyway, uh, amazing album, like both songs that are like heartfelt and like philosophical and without losing like Kesha's flair. Also just like big, like power anthems it's amazing um that is all <laughs> <laughs> and if Kesha wants to support this podcast we we're available for that as well actually she has her own podcast now <laughs> so she should just come on our show we'll cross promote and there you then- go I'm sure. <laughs> she, she needs us yeah <laughs> clearly, clearly. She, needs, she needs the fabulous nerd demographic i mean huh. <laughs> so one last thing before we before we wrap up yeah 2020 well, okay, this has happened before, but 2020, I think, was the year that, like, the fashion industry finally decided that gaming was a thing that they were going to do. Uh, at the beginning of this month, actually, Balenciaga, as far as I can tell, released the first ever runway show that was actually a video game. Uh, other fashion brands have, like, done crossovers with, with games in the past. Like, I think, uh, what is it? I think it's Louis Vuitton made. It was in League of Legends. They made a skin. The Sims has had a couple of designer or, like, fashion brands got involved in their stuff. But um, they, yeah, they made a basically a, a railroad video game, which unfortunately you can't play because for some reason they only released it for two weeks. I think it's because they didn't want people to discover how buggy it was. Um, <laughs> but it's very beautiful and has Blade Runner vibes. And we'll leave a link to a playthrough video um, from a fashion YouTuber mm-hmm. that that uh, will walk you through it and show you some of the Easter eggs and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, also, I feel like Wayne with your Arthurian stuff might appreciate it because there's a lot of Balenciaga. They've done this a couple of times or similar things in the past, but they do full on medieval armor as high fashion. 
Uh, and I believe some of them are 3D printed, like they're 3D printing armor or something like that. But it's pretty cool. So if you like fashion, but also games, and this has become a like an ongoing theme. There's a couple more that come out. We might do a show. There's also a Complex Con, which is a streetwear fashion brand, did an entire, I mean, streetwear con <laughs> uh, v- virtually. And the main thing I loved about it, okay, there were there were other things I wasn't able to attend because it was during work hours in my time zone. But uh, I saw some of the recaps. My favorite thing about it was that they coordinated with various restaurants in the world. So if you were in most major cities globally and you were participating, you could order from like in-game street vendors and then like whatever the local version of Grubhub would bring food to your house. Hmm. And it was just, I don't know, it was very pleasing. So things that we, that, that unfortunately, if you missed, were time-limited events. So you, we actually missed them. We can't go back. Can't go back. But, uh, the recaps are exciting. So you know what? Yeah, and, um, and, gaming, I, gaming and fashion... Hopefully we'll get some better, some better uh, costumes in the future. In our, in our <laughs> and, 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 and let me throw in a, a correction. I am looking up the video to note it here and it's filthy freaks, not fabulous freaks. So it's filthy freaks and glamorous geeks. As much as oh. I listen to that, my brain just seized up and said the wrong thing there. Yeah. So, be filthy. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true but as mav knows that filthy freaks probably describes my yeah, friends so on that note we resolved nothing yeah no, we resolved you should go read and watch and listen to and view yeah. and do all these things from the safety of your own home yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and i hope everybody else found cool stuff this year because it was a rough year for that yeah, yeah there, there are and, and i think i mean what we did resolve it is i think when we started doing this um i mean i sat down last night to make my list and i was like i didn't do anything i didn't leave and and you know we just talked we just rattled off uh i'm gonna say 30 um uh i'm sure the title of this of uh, this video or podcast depending on how you're listening to it says the exact number because i've in the future i've counted <laughs> as opposed to just listening um but we listened to read watched a lot of stuff this year um there was a lot more that went on during the middle of the pandemic than you think and that's i mean there's stuff that i didn't feel good enough to you know like oh i kind of like this in the moment um it didn't make the cut but it didn't make the cut so there's a lot yeah. of stuff so it, it's nice to know that, you know, even locked in in the middle of an apocalypse, you know, we did have good content, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a to watch some of it. I mean, I, apparent, apparently we've all been assigned to watch Bridgerton, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's other things that, I, you know, there are other things that like I, I'm I'm interested in now. There's, I've got music to listen to. I've got TV shows to watch. I, I do want to go out and see Emma, the film. You know, that was mm-hmm. so that's definitely go out. You mean click your HBO Max. Right. Yes. Go, go out. I'm go going to the, go out walk, of the room out that of I'm in now. That's exactly it. I'm going to, I have a recording studio with no TV where I'm going to go out of, and then I'm going to go into the room literally <laughs> next door, which has a television in it, and I will enjoy the film Emma. <laughs> Uh, All right. Have a drink. So, yeah. Well, I, I I hope everyone had a great 2020. Uh, no, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> we're, not, we're not that far. We're not. I do have one. I do have one more recommendation of something that everybody missed. That's sure. Academic text. 
Because yeah. you know, oh, oh no, oh no, it's called it's called Ages of the Black Panther, edited by oh, friend of the oh, show yes, Joe Dorowski, yeah, with an essay by me. So <laughs> that, that I accept. Yeah, but yeah. It's like yeah, would, that, that, that one's self-serving. And, and actually, is good. I've read some of the other essays by other people, um, s- several of whom have been on this show that you'll recognize. Um, and you know, I definitely recommend that book. And we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk. I know we're we've been talking about doing shows in the future about you know sort of academia and uh academia as it relates to popular culture text one of those things that we want to talk about so in the meantime go out and read that book so that you're caught up <laughs> just because it's self-serving for me you know <laughs> well yeah yeah anyway aside from reading academic articles by me i want Hanna, where can people find you you can't really you can find me here i guess <laughs> I I think 2020 has taught me that social media bores me and I'm tired, but <laughs> that's, that's sad. It means there's more of you for us. <laughs> we 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 are the exclusive Hannah Rogers venue for all of your Hannah Rogers content. Comes from Box Box Podcast. And Katya. Uh as always, you can find me at just that nerd kid on Instagram. Uh although I feel like I like Hannah. I've also just grown bored with social media. Everyone's posting the same five things over and over again. It's it's unless it's sewing content. I'm here for sewing content, which really unless like only if you are also here for sewing content, should you follow me on Instagram? Because I don't sew, but I find your Instagram interesting. I mean, you have you have great clothes that um that you know are always nice to look. And at. No one else has. Um, and by fact, default, um, my mother looked at your Instagram the other day, inspired by um the Queen's Gambit show, and she enjoyed some of your dresses. So there you go. Aww. <laughs> um, and speaking of ignoring social media, Wayne. Uh, I, I have my Instagram. I'm still doing photos, though, with weather and job. I, I'm posting more older stuff right now, mm. but I, I'm still doing that. Uh, it's what, Tetrock 20 to 17, 20. So I, I, forget. I love that you I, don't know your own your own social yeah. media handle because <laughs> they're all different. And that one I picked, whatever year I started, I just I I threw the date on there and I forget what year it was. Oh. <laughs> um, I it was the year you were born. Wayne was born in yeah, 2017. Yeah, yes, I'm, I will be four this year. <laughs> Uh, well, I have not given up on social media. I'm here for you people. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places on all of social media at Vox Popcast. And you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can look at our calls for content and see what we're talking about next week. You can enjoy the new website design, which, you know, we updated for 2021. It's a little different. And you can leave a comment on this show, letting us know what else we missed and that you think we should check out that might become a show in the future. Or if you, you know, actually what I really like to know is if you read or watch any of the things that we talked about because you were inspired by us, leave us a little note. Let us know in the show notes on the, com- in the comments or um, in the YouTube comments, however you're listening to the show, leave us a note and let us know that, you know, we inspired you to go out and read something or listen to something or watch. Even something. if you thought it was crap. Yeah, well, yeah. Let us know. Maybe you think we're crazy. I mean, I mean, that that would be interesting. I would like to know if people enjoyed Vanishing Half as much as I did, or you know, or whatever movie. You know, Emma Bridgerton. Should we do a Bridgerton show? We don't have a choice, but should we do a Bridgerton show? Let us know in the show notes. <laughs> and, and you know, send in your critiques of Bridgerton because I have a lot of them. 
Okay. Despite my general enthusiasm. (laughs) Um, And if you enjoy the show, we certainly hope you do. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, especially because that helps other people find the show. Especially, especially if you don't just leave us a rating, if you write us a review, if you write a little something, something and tell us what you enjoyed about the show or what you like about the show or tell other people um, that makes the algorithm privilege us and it makes us feel good inside. And- yeah. Tell all the people who may have missed us in 2020. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Indeed. That's, a, that's great. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I was just going to make a joke about us being a quirky little Marxist show, but you know. <laughs> well, well, just yeah. tell them that they've missed the quirky little Marxist show. You have, <laughs> in 2020, you missed the best little quirky, quirky little Marxist show. So like and subscribe and all that jazz. I'm now really old. <laughs> um, anyway I would like to thank Maximilian of Vaughtmore Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out I'd like to thank all of you for listening for the last year another year of the show guys crazy <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, we have no guests so I just yeah. like to thank my it's like I usually take the guests right there I'd like to thank my three lovely co-hosts all three of you for making this the most fun I have all week and we'll see you next time bye, bye.